0: Back chat. Back chat. Back chat.
1: Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Back chat.
2: Back chat.
0: Your
1: alternative to talk back.
2: Yes, indeed. You are listening to Back Chat here on FBI Radio, the freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swatth Das. And
0: I'm Shami Sivis of As always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves.
2: That's right. First up on the show is Esther Anatolidis, the Executive Director of the National Association for the Visual Arts. She'll be discussing the potential collapse of Sydney Arts Precinct Carriage Works and what the pandemic could mean for our arts industry.
0: After that, we have an interview with drag artist, etc., etc., our producer Millie Roberts had a chat with them during the week about what the drag scene will look like as venues reopen.
2: And as always, we want to hear from you. How are you supporting the arts industry in lockdown? Maybe you've watched an online gig or maybe you've binged the latest podcast while isolating. Now, I have been... I actually have been really um, saddened by the news newsroom, of all the newsrooms closing down. Mm. So I've been... Um, subscribing. I know I should have done that a long time ago, but I've actually been sincerely paying and subscribing for my news. Oh, that's lovely. Which is my my input during the pandemic. What are you doing? So I've,
0: okay, to be frank, I've probably just been watching a lot of the free stuff that's been available online, a lot of the lovely free shows that have been available on YouTube, but I'm actually looking for some recommendations. So hopefully the texts that come in will point me in the right direction.
2: Let us know, how are you supporting the arts industry in lockdown? We'd love to hear from you. Join in on the conversation and text us in on 040. nine nine four five nine four five or tweet us at backchat fbi
3: it is absolutely laughable the woman's off her tree
2: backchat your alternative to talk back If you've ever created, participated in, or viewed alternative theatre or art in Sydney, chances are you've been to Carriageworks. But now theatres and art galleries around the world are on high alert after the New South Wales government decided to withhold an annual grant from Australia's biggest multi-arts venue, Carriageworks, forcing it to go into voluntary administration.
0: We have Esther Anatolitis the Executive Director of the National Association for the Visual Arts to talk to us about the future of Carriageworks and, in turn, the future of Australia's arts industry. Hi, Esther. Good morning. So nice to be with you. Our absolute pleasure. So Carriageworks has gone into voluntary administration. Just how significant is this a development for the industry and the community at large?
3: Oh look, it's 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 big. It is a big deal. Uh, the organisation um, had had a number of challenges over the years, and so um, th- this is just a, a terrible development right now at this particular time. But I think given Carriage Works has been the most prominent, significant um, venue and kind of multi art site for testing new boundaries, for uh, inviting you know amazing artists, great events. There's, artists, um, it would it would be a disaster um, if uh, this voluntary administration doesn't result in uh, a, a great new life for Carriage
2: Yeah, and Carriage Works is one of the main drivers of experimental and emerging art in Sydney. What does the potential collapse of Carriage Works mean for these grassroots initiatives?
3: Ah, look, I think that's a that's a huge problem. Carriageworks is a venue, but it's also a place where a number of of organisations are based. Uh, There are artists who have studios there. And the fact that somewhere as big, as prominent, as welcoming as Carriageworks, you know, with the weekend farmers markets and so on, is at the same time a place where artists can really push those boundaries and create new art forms. To have that kind of, you know, amplified onto this national stage it's actually hugely important for Australia's arts altogether, um, and, and the risk of, of, of that collapse absolutely jeopardises um, the, the prominence and the, and the voice of, 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 and the reach of experimental arts practice, not just in Sydney, but in all of
0: Australia. So the Opera House could potentially take over the arts precinct in Redfin. What do you think about this move?
3: Well, look, love the Opera House, but I think that would be an absolute disaster. <laughs> it's, uh, you could not imagine to what different organisations with mm. different scopes, you know, people rely on and visit the Opera House to see uh, major performing arts and, 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 and other kinds of, um, of of performances. People visit carriage works to have that incredible accidental encounter, to to be uh, overwhelmed by the new, to, to be uh, challenged, um, to meet each other in you know what has become a really important part of the community in Redford. There's a huge difference between you know fostering um, ideas and thinking uh, at an opera house. And creating the environment where artists and organisations can can really push those boundaries. Um, I'd love to see a, a new uh, uh, venue manager, as they're calling it, at Carriage Works. But Opera House is a completely different entity and should be celebrated as such.
2: So the Carriage Works takeover has prompted a discussion about how well supported the industry is. Ooh. Do you think the government is doing enough to support the industry and its workers?
3: Oh, goodness, no. When you're talking about New South Wales or federally, the New South Wales government has chronically uh, invested one of the lowest per capita rates of investment in the arts in Australia. At the moment, as organizations are looking for, uh, you know, that that forward-looking government plan through COVID-19, New South Wales is the only state not to be working closely with the entire industry to develop that plan. Other, uh, other states have set up task forces working together for some time. Um, the other states have also, of course, put out some very impressive packages with a hell of a lot of new money, about $85 million on my count of new money, all across Australia with about half of that just in Victoria with their experience economy package. In New South Wales, there's been some repurposing of Create New South Wales money, uh, but no new funds. And the industry contributes uh, (laughs) billions to the economy of New South Wales as well as being the most important thing we're all turning to right now.
0: You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Sweater and Shami. We've got the Executive Director of the National Association for the Visual Arts, Esther Anatolitis, on the phone discussing the impacts of the pandemic on the arts industry.
2: And we've got some texts in. Earlier we asked you, how have you been supporting the arts industry in lockdown? We said you can text us in on 0409 945 945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. We got a text in from Dan from Dulwich Hill. Um, and they say it sucks but carriage works. It's the only venue willing to take a risk when it comes to music, which Aww. is very, very true. Very so, true. What, what you said, Esther. And um, Jasmine from Sylvania says... I've been listening. Oh, so this is how they're supporting the arts industry. So Jasmine says, I've been listening to the podcast from the Sydney Writers Festival lately. I was keen to go, but they cancelled the physical event this year, which is an interesting one, actually, Esther. So a lot of annual events, just like the Sydney Writers Festival, have relaunched online this year. How much of a role do you think the internet will play when it comes to future events post-pandemic?
3: I think we're really going to have our expectations changed a lot, you know, in, in this sense. And, and that's a good thing. But the downside is we have to remember that not everyone has great internet access, especially, especially regionally. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, um, that, that expectation is there that, you know, you could sort of put something online and everyone can, can access it. And also the expectation is there that organizations can just like magically adapt. To putting things online. It's been super hard work for Sydney Festival, Sydney Writers Festival, to make that change. But in doing so, they'll be able to bring a festival experience um, to our homes, to the places where people are having those passionate conversations and debates with each other. And so I'm quite looking forward to seeing how they're going to have this balance of like IRL, non IRL, you know, <laughs> um, experiences going forward. I think it's going to be a huge shift.
0: So, New South Wales is missing a designated art minister since Don Harwin resigned. Do you think that's having an impact on in the industry and the attention it's receiving?
3: Oh, look, I think um, I think the industry in New South Wales has, for many many years. Um, uh, made its concerns very clear to the state government about the attention that it had not been receiving under the, uh, under the previous arts minister or presently. At the moment, the plenier is the arts minister. And, mm. uh, of course, he's very busy. And I had a great (laughs) conversation with Gabrielle Upton, her parliamentary secretary, just on Thursday evening, and she had done a great deal of research into what's going on right now. She had all sorts of really fantastic questions for me. Uh, We had a great chat about what's needed next. And so I'm very much expecting to see um, some very quick change um, coming out of Create New South Wales and um, and, and, and that state government very very soon.
2: So the New South Wales arts industry has been through a lot. You know the lockout yeah. laws, a lack of government funding, <laughs> and now <laughs> COVID. So I mean, mm. do, do you think the industry will be able to bounce back? Uh,
3: I think that I think that bounce that, that, that notion of bounce back is a difficult one. You know we mm-hmm. had the prime minister talking about snap back as though you know you just snap your fingers and things magically return to normal, you know, as though an entire industry that has been left out of stimulus and um, casuals left out of JobKeeper, we saw with the disastrous embarrassment yesterday of, of just how uh, monumentally they had... Um, uh, you know, mistaken their forecast over uh, JobKeeper eligibility. So a notion of bounce back or snap back, you know, is is just fanciful. The art industry in New South Wales has been through a lot, you know, um, but the lockout laws, having these sledgehammer methods of solving one problem by trying to address something else altogether, it's just nonsensical. We've seen a lot of artists, uh, organisations just think about uh, leaving New South Wales, leaving Sydney altogether. And this is going to be a huge tipping point for that because the cost of doing business as an artist, as you know, is enormously mm. expensive there. And so just as in Victoria, for example, in South Australia, the premier there, the minister in, in Victoria, they've been going out of their way to engage with the industry on a regular basis. The South Australian Premier meets with the industry every 10 days. The Victorian minister put out this amazing package on the experience economy. And that's the kind of leadership we need. We need New South Wales to take a step back and think, okay, what's going to drive tourism in a situation where the Queensland border is is, is still closed and there's no international travel? We know from Australia Council research that the arts is a major driver of regional tourism. So even on that front, let alone all the massive social, economic, you know, all all of that stuff, um, you know, we really do need uh, New South Wales to um, sit down with the industry and say, hey, uh, what do you need? And then let's work together.
0: So on that note, the National Association for the Visual Arts, which you direct, has prepared a draft... Com- submission to the COVID-19 state inquiry. Can you tell us a bit more about that and the proposals you've submitted?
3: Yes, yes, and you know, look, I I love a government inquiry just as much as the next (laughs) person, and I must say to everyone, it is open for all of our submissions. We've got a draft on the Narva website at narva.net.au, and the deadline is next Thursday, the 28th. So in our draft, we've um, characterised all the gaps in the government's COVID-19 response, the lost opportunity for a creative industries-led approach. Um, And then we make a whole bunch of recommendations. And it's around things like making sure that uh, WorkSafe is engaging with the industry to develop some really great protocols right now. And another hot one, which we've been talking about for years, is to look at uh, the way that the ATO and Centrelink do income averaging for professional artists and make sure that if an artist is on Centrelink and they get a small grant, they don't just lose all their payments altogether. But, um, you know, they look at the Australian Taxation Office's ruling about carrying on a business as a professional artist. Um, We'd like to see um, the acquisition budgets of the key national institutions increase significantly, especially art bank, so that government is investing directly in artists' future by buying their work. Uh, We need some great tax incentives, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, We need the National COVID Coordination Commission to either make sure there's arts and cultural representation or set an arts and culture working group immediately. And then, of course, we need to double the Australia Council's budget right now. And there's some new research from the Australia Institute that's just come out today that says that um, one in two Australians agree that the government should double funding for the Australia Council.
2: And that's, uh, you know, what a great poll. Hey, um, Esther, we, we're going to wrap up, but we actually have one more question because um, someone has texted in pretty fired up. Um, Loz yeah. from St. Peter's, Loz, has said, uh, New South Wales government has ignored the arts for too long. The film industry is all but dead. We've lost so many productions to Queensland and Victoria. Create New South yeah. Wales is a joke. So I mean, do you think that New South Wales is unique in the way we treat the arts industry?
3: New South Wales is entirely unique. Like I say, they've spent pretty much the, the least per person in, uh, in, in the country for the arts in New South Wales, and yet uh, the industry is one of the biggest in Australia. you look at, you know, a whole range of different measures? It's kind of... Um, it's just extraordinary, I have to say. Um, the arts, um, arts and culture, the creative industry, film, screen, visual arts, um, this is what people associate with an experience, whether it is, uh, you know, at Lismore Regional Gallery, whether it's Wagga Wagga, uh, whether it's, you know, Vivid, uh, whether it's Works, whether it's um, Pirate in Parramatta. Uh, this is, you know, the life, the culture and the future of, of New South Wales. And as we look at what it's going to take to get through COVID-19, mm. we need to put our cultural life, our everyday life, the way we connect with each other and express ourselves, that has to come first. And New South Wales really needs to, you know, um, pull out the checkbook and get very, very ambitious. It wants to keep artists and creative workers and uh, curious and engaged tourists in that state. There's a lot of hard work to be done and there's no time to be lost.
0: This is such an important topic. It's a topic very close to our hearts here at FBI. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning, Esther. Oh, thanks for having me. That was Esther Anatolidis, the National Association for Visual Arts the executive director, sorry, of the National Association for the Visual Arts, chatting to us about the potential collapse of carriage wax and what that means for the art industry.
2: That's right. We're going to go to a break right now. But after that, we'll be speaking to Sydney, drag, icon, etc., etc. Oh, you do not want to miss that. But right now we're going to go to a song. This is a new banger by Takei Matza, an Australian artist. This is called Shook. It's pretty loud. Check it out. Woo! How's that to wake you that up on a, on a Saturday morning? Welcome back. You are listening to back Chat here on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swatha and Shami. Now, before the pandemic, I'd say, wouldn't you say, mm. Sydney's nightlife boasted one of the best drag scenes in the country, but... Since venues have been mandated shut, drag queens haven't been able to perform live and future bookings are still uncertain.
0: But fortunately, it's not all doom and gloom. Sydney's drag community has found creative ways to innovate from home and online. Our producer Millie Roberts had a chat with the drag icon, etc, etc this week, about how the drag community has been affected by lockdown.
3: It is absolutely laughable.
2: The woman's off her tree. chat, your alternative to talkback.
1: Hi,
4: Etcetera. How are you?
1: I'm very good. How are you going? I'm
4: good, thank you. So my first question is, in what ways has the drag industry been affected by coronavirus?
1: Look, uh, coronavirus or COVID-19, as some people like to call it, I guess it's affected the drag industry in a lot of different ways. Um, the drag industry is already quite an unstable and unreliable industry for a lot of people. And I think with the uh, introduction of most venues, if not all venues, closing down, um, the introduction of, of I suppose, more stringent rules about gatherings and whether corporate events can hire drag queens, and, and really the promotion of digital drag content being... I suppose the only thing we can do now uh, means that drag has shifted to an online space. We're all now creating content, which previously a lot of us had only created created for a physical audience, uh, now now for online audiences. So that's been the big shift I've noticed.
4: And with the lack of in-person performances, what financial position have drag queens been left in?
1: I, I think throughout history, drag queens have been... Um, being fairly financially unstable people, <laughs> as it is. I don't think um, many drag queens are sitting there rolling in uh, in money like Scrooge McDuck, but I think um, this time has been particularly hard on a lot of drag queens, especially people that live at, uh, at intersections, you know, um, drag queens of colour, trans drag artists, um, you know, Indigenous drag artists, drag artists that live with a disability, All these people have been put under a very difficult financial circumstance because for a lot of them, drag is a really, you know, a safe space to generate income. Um, And without these spaces, there's a lot of people that are really struggling to get by.
4: And has there been a noticeable shift within overall drag culture and within the community?
1: I think so. I I think the drag community is definitely banded together in ways. People are a bit more supportive of one another. They're more willing to you know, jump on an online show and uh, donate their time um, that everyone has a lot of at the moment. But I think something else that has shifted as well is is a, I suppose a questioning of where the drag industry will go from here when we all go back to venues. How are we going to create the healthiest nightlife space possible? Where can we make improvements on things? And I suppose it's just given us all a pause to think about the kind of nightlife environment that we were creating and how we can create a more inclusive, more entertaining um, and more interesting drag experience for everyone who loves drag.
4: What new initiatives have you taken to supplement income loss due to not performing live?
1: I'm, I'm a bit of a... Thrifty, you know, problem solving kind of person. And so when all of this happened, my first instinct was A, how am I going to pay my rent? And B, how can I use this time to better myself, to grow, and to create new opportunities? So I've dabbled in doing some live uh, videos here and there and doing some live digital drag performances. Uh, But another thing that I've been doing is creating like recorded performances creating series of content, working on collaborating with brands. I did a collaboration with absolute vodka, uh, to do an, on like a live Instagram cocktail making class. I did a makeup tutorial with Heat gay and I suppose it's just been taking, taking the stuff that I can't really do in a nightclub onto my Instagram and showing audiences a different side of my drag that is a bit more, a more subtle, a bit more refined and, um, it kind of needs longer attention spans to digest. What's the
4: most creative initiative you've seen a performer try out during this time?
1: Oh my gosh, there's been so many great ones. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed just by the people who have been organising digital drag shows every single week, you know. There's some people who have been doing uh, drag shows like uh, Timberlina up in Newcastle, who's a fantastic qu- qu- queen up there, does a lot for her community, she's been organising a digital drag show nearly every single week for performers. And that's such a huge amount of effort. Um, And I think other things that people have been doing, there's been a lot of really great charity initiatives and a lot of people raising money for different, you know, subsets of the community that are, like, affected. Um, And I I suppose as well, like, I'm just really impressed by a lot of the creativity that's come out of people being able to do stuff in their bedrooms that's the biggest thing i mean not none of us can go out and you know buy new drag or have access to huge amounts of resources and people are still making amazing looks you know um in their bedroom and i think i think the creativity has really jumped out in these past few few months with pubs
4: and bars opening last week any word about when we'll be able to catch a live show
1: look i don't have much inside trading here (laughs) um I'm, I'm waiting out as much as everyone else, but I I can say that I think I think there'll be some good things starting to happen soon. I think now that venues are starting to reopen and people are being cautious and it looks like things are starting to improve for the better if everyone is sensible, I think you'll start seeing like drag queens returning in limited capacities. I think you'll see a lot more shows live streamed from venues, and I think you'll just see drag queens starting to... Uh, pop up a bit more and appear appear a bit more again in in public, which I think is, is good for everyone. I mean, everyone needs a bit of entertainment at the moment and there's nothing better than a drag artist to do that, I think.
4: And finally, in what ways can listeners support the drag community at the moment?
1: I think a really great way to support the drag community at the moment is really just to listen to your drag performers, to follow them on social media, to... See what they're asking for. I mean, a lot of people have approached me and, and instantly been like, oh, um, I'd love to donate money or is there a PayPal I can send money to? And I've gone, look, absolutely, I really appreciate that. But I'd also really love for you to share my content during this time. Like sometimes uh, creating awareness about someone's creative work is just as meaningful as donating money to them and there's a lot of people that need financial support there's a lot of people that want more exposure and there's people that want a mixture of both so i think it's just about um reaching out to individual drag performers that you love i showcase and and you know um promote a lot of different kinds of drag performers on my social media so you can head over to my socials and see the what sydney has to offer and um and the people that are out here trying to still entertain you, even though we're all in lockdown.
4: Thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us, etc., etc.
1: No worries at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you stay safe and stay fabulous.
0: You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. And that was our interview with Etcetera Etcetera, a regular at the Imperial's Drag and Dine shows. You can follow their latest projects on Insta at etc Double Underscore etc and we will tweet out the link too.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, that's all we've got time for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, Millie Roberts and Vanessa Lim. And thanks again to our guests, Esther and a and etc., etc. We'll catch you next week, but before we do, we're gonna play a song. That's right, we're gonna play a song that I've been playing on repeat in my car. This is again, uh, you know, every week I'm just updating what's my ISO mood. 100%. I think the song's a bit problematic. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <I'm just> gonna <laughs> why am I surprised? <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised. I know you well <laughs> enough. But it's really smooth. It's by Masego, it's called Navajo. Uh, guys, enjoy your week. Catch Bye. you all next week. Until